0: kind of dive in to to this whole idea of holiness. And so week one, we kind of just defined holiness. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to, to pursue holiness? And pursuing holiness is really the pursuit of God, being able to set aside our lives for the glory of God. Whatever God wants for me, whatever God desires of me, whatever God wants me to do with my life, I'm in. I'm set aside for the purposes of God. I want to be holy. I want to be His. It's the pursuit of God. And so this is found all throughout Scripture. You read through the Old Testament, and the the Old Testament is really just the story of, of God who forms for Himself a people. And He sets them aside for His purposes and for His glory. Right? God brings the, the, the Israelites, the people of God, out of Egypt. And he gives them this identity as the people of God. They are his people. They are set aside for him. This whole identity is, is the basis for how they are caused to, are called to, to reflect the character of God. They are the people of God. They should reflect the character of God. But it doesn't, if you read the Old Testament, it doesn't just happen right away. Holiness doesn't just kind of happen upon the people of God. There's a development there. There's a journey there. And it's not just a a geographical journey to the promised land through the Old Testament. This This is a mental journey as well as they begin to learn and to see this is who God is. This is how I relate to God. This is how I reflect the character of God. You see, there's, like a, there's a journey that even the people in the Old Testament go on as they begin to, to see what it means to be set aside for the purposes of God. We read in the New Testament about the church, and the church is clearly in the New Testament called to be set aside for the purposes of God. We're called to be holy. And I, and I told you the, the, the very first week that, that I wanted you to just take, a, take inventory, if you will, of your life. Think about an area of your life that you want to just dedicate wholly, W H O L L Y, to God. What does it mean to give all of this part of me to God? Am I struggling with something? Some of you, some of you chose anger. You're struggling with anger. And so, God, I, I want to give my anger to you. I want to, I want to be holy in this area. In my emotions, I want to be holy. Right? Some of you gave spiritual disciplines to God. God, I, I want to dedicate my mornings to you. I, I want to just make sure I'm spending, first and foremost, time in the Word. I want to make sure I'm praying. I want to make sure I'm spending time listening for you every single day. I want to dedicate my, my spiritual life to you. Not out of duty, but out of love, out of want. I want to be with you. And last week, we, we kind of talked about what happens when we fail. Right, we've given these areas to God. I, I was talking with someone last week. They said, I gave, I gave anger to God. I was feeling angry. And then throughout the week, I just felt like that there was so many opportunities for me to kind of fight this anger. To be at the, the opportunities were there for me to be angry. I, I could have been angry. And if I'm honest, I let the anger get the best of me a few times. But I know... That since I gave that part to God, I'm being tested on it. Satan is testing me on this. He doesn't want me to succeed in this. He doesn't want me to give this part of my life to God. Some of you may have, may have picked other things, and, and maybe you've struggled, maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't failed. But remember, after, after last week, I want you to just hear this. Failure is okay. It's okay to fail in our pursuit of holiness. It's okay not to be okay. Now, here's the the irony in the pursuit of holiness. When you begin to pursue holiness and when you begin to dive deep into what it looks like to pursue a holy life, to, to live a holy life and to be holy, to be set apart for God, you begin to realize how unholy you really are. Now, this can cause two different things it can either cause you to despair a little bit, to get discouraged or it can cause you to draw closer to God because you know that he is the only one that can do it. He is the only one that can make you holy, and so you get closer to God. The irony in the pursuit of holiness is some of the most holy people on the planet are those who realize just how unholy they are. Uh, this, this pursuit of holiness is kind of a, a, a strange thing. Last week, I, I made a statement that I want to just dive a little deeper into today because I, I didn't want to mislead anybody. Last week, I said failure isn't always a bad thing. I said because when we fail, we repent, we draw closer to God, and our relationship with Him grows because of that. Now, I, I want to dive deeper into this because there's some logic here that could be pretty faulty if you just follow that line. And so I just want to I, I go into it, uh, and I want to build on last week, and I want to talk about the pursuit of holiness, but I want to do so out of Romans chapter 6. So if, you're, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, Romans chapter 6, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can, you can look on with, uh, with me in our Pew Bible. It's on page 799, Romans chapter 6. And we're gonna we're gonna take a look this morning at Paul and a conversation he's having with the church in Rome as he writes to them. And as you're turning there, I just want to give you a little context. We're gonna be in Romans chapter six, we're gonna read the whole thing. But the first five chapters of Romans are essentially the gospel. It's it's an outline of the gospel. It's it's the good news. And and here is the good news that in in Romans chapter 1 through 5, salvation is not something that we earn, it is not something that we achieve. Salvation is something that is given freely to you, freely to me, as a gift. Salvation is a product of grace. It is offered as a gift regardless of our performance in our lives up to that point. It does not matter. Salvation is given as a free gift to those who would accept it. All right, this, is, this is where Paul comes in in chapter 6. Remember, he's saying, you, the way that you lived is taken away by salvation. And so here's how he starts chapter 6. And we're just going to go through the whole thing and we'll unpack it as we go. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his... We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the, of the one you obey? Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Everybody take a breath. That was a long read there. But I want to unpack this. Because Paul has just basically given you the message that I've given you the last two weeks. Salvation is free. We don't earn it. We receive it. It is a free gift from God. And last week I said, what happens when we fail? That failure is not necessarily a bad thing. Because we grow closer to God. And while that is true, you can take that logic down a slippery slope. And that's what Paul is fighting against here. Because here's here's, here's the questions that he's answering. If our salvation has nothing to do with how we live, then why not live the way we want? Right? Because if sin leads to grace, and grace is a good thing, then sin... Must be a good thing. It's like the if-then argument that you can make with sin and grace. If 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 I sin, I get God's grace, and God's grace is a very good thing. So why don't I want more of it? So why don't I sin more so I can have more grace? That's just as Paul is saying. This isn't the way that it works, and this is what he says. What what shall we say? Then shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. This is a rhetorical question for Paul. There there is not even like an ounce of Paul that says, yeah, that's really good logic there. Maybe you're right. No. We do not live any longer in our sinful lives. We do not live any longer in that that way. Paul basically explains why in this chapter. And I want to just kind of break it down. He's talking to the Romans, and I think he wants to say three things to these Romans. Here's the, the first thing. This is who you were. He wants to show them three things. This is who you were. He holds this up and says, look, this is, this is the person that you were. He talks about slavery in, in verses 15 and 16 and talks about uh, just being a slave to sin. Now, slavery, obviously, is a different context in the way we think about it. Slavery back then uh, was sometimes a voluntary thing. You get into debt with one of your neighbors or one of the people in your town and you can't pay it back you would voluntarily go into slavery for them and you would essentially work it off. You would work your debt off. Right? It wasn't, didn't have the connotations that it has today. Slavery was, was different back then. So he's, he's, he's talking, he's using this idea of this slavery, this kind of voluntary slavery to talk about our relationship with sin and also Christ. With sin and also holiness, right living, the pursuit of God. And he's saying, you are a slave to something. Whether you realize it or not, you are a slave to something. If you continue to live in the way that you used to live, you are a slave to sin, he says. You are a slave to this old way of living. You are still in this way. You are a slave here. But this is, this is who you were. You were a slave over here. This is is who you were. And God knew that we would have a tendency to kind of stick over here. This is why even one of the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me. God knows there's going to be a tendency to have some other gods before him. If we are a slave to anything but righteousness, as Paul says it, we are a slave to sin. Now there are many gods that we put in front of God over here. Money, power, fame. You can fill in the blank in your own life. Many things that we maybe worship, we put in front of God. It's a, it's a, it's a higher priority than God in our lives. We become slaves to this thing. Paul says, This is who you were. You used to live in this way of life, you used to live in this life of sin, you used to be a slave to sin. You used to be a slave to this former way of life. You used to live in this certain way. This is who you were. But then Paul continues, and he he reminds us that on the flip side of that, that's who you were, but we need to have a good understanding of who you are. That's who you were on that side. We need to have a better understanding of who we are, Paul says. And then then he gives us who, who it is that we are. All right, verse 3 to 5. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You need to know who you were, but this is who you are. You are united With Christ when you say yes to Christ when you give your life to Christ you you're able to experience grace you're able to experience everything that Christ has for you you are united with Christ you're united in his death you're united in his resurrection everything that Christ has done is now yours his past is your past. His hope is your hope. His future is your future. His victory is your victory because you have been united with Christ. This is who you are. And if this is who you are, then, then we, we can't go back. We can't go back to this former way of life. We can't go back to being a slave over here because it just the, the two can't mesh. The two can't be together. You are one or the other. Either you have been united with Christ and you pursue Him and you pursue right living, you pursue holiness, you pursue everything that is Christ, or you are a slave to sin. The two are mutually exclusive. Paul goes on, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. When you say yes to Christ, your old identity, your past failures, They are crucified with him. They are put to death. And it's not that we don't remember those times. It's not that we don't remember who we were. But that doesn't control us any longer. We are now controlled by by the Spirit of God. As we pursue God, we chase God, Paul says in here, we are slaves to righteousness. We are slaves to, to right living, leading to holiness. Right? We are, we're new. And maybe you're out there and you have, you've said yes to God before and you're like, well, Pastor Chris, I, I get what you're saying, but I still really feel like the old me a lot. I still really feel like, like that is still... Me, I still really feel like the old me. I still really feel like who I was and not necessarily who I, who I am. And Paul just says, this is, this is who you are. We need to claim who we are. We need to live out of this, of this spot of who we are and not who we were. And he reminds us in, in verse 11, it doesn't just happen automatically, right? Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. What, why does Paul have to tell us to count ourselves dead to sin? He's basically saying, remind yourself that you're dead to sin, Keep telling yourself that you are dead to sin. You have to keep reminding yourself, keep living in this way. You are not that person. That person is still there. That person is still you. You still did all of those things. You still lived in that way, but that is not who you are anymore. That doesn't define you anymore. You are now defined by who you are in Christ. And he's saying, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Remind yourselves over and over and over again every single day who I am in Christ. You wake up in the morning and you say, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not the old me. This is me. I know who I am. I am in Christ. I live in Christ. I live for Christ. I want to dedicate my life to Christ. I am no longer that person. This no longer defines me. This is defines me. This is who I am. This is who I am in Christ. Here's a story of St. Augustine, one of the the church fathers. And after his uh, conversion, after he gave his life to Christ, he had an encounter with a woman that he used to be intimate with. He used to have sex with a lot. And she walks up to him and she says, Don't you remember me? It's me. And he looks at her and he says, It's not me anymore. I'm new. I'm a different person. I'm not living in that way anymore. He just says, It's not me anymore. We need to constantly, continually remind ourselves that's not me anymore. I I, I choose to live on this side. I choose to give my life to Christ. I choose to live for him. I choose to be a slave to righteousness. And again, I don't want you to think of slave as a negative thing. It's not that God has like this ball and chain waiting for you, just saying, you know, you have to do this and this and this. No, this is a, this is, Paul is talking in a context, this is a voluntary thing. I I give my life to this. I give my life to God. I choose to be a slave to righteousness. I choose to live the way that God is calling me to live. I choose all of it. I choose Christ. This is who I am. Paul continues in verse 17 here. He says, But thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. What is this pattern of teaching? It's the first five chapters. It's the gospel. Right. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 22, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. You used to be that person. You used to be a slave to sin. You used to to live in this former way of living. You used to live over here, and you you were slaves to different things. There were other gods in your life at this point. It might have been money, it might have been power, it might have been fame, it might have been sex, it might have been all kinds of stuff. But this is no longer me. I, 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 have, I have been crucified to that life. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I become a slave to Christ, and I choose to live this way with this person for God. This is the pursuit holiness it's about knowing who you are it's about knowing who you follow and it's about knowing where you've come from but more importantly where you're going again we don't we don't forget any of that that's all here but man, I want to live for something higher. I want to live for something bigger. I want to live for God. I want to pursue Him. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue holiness. I want to live out of who I am. I want to live out of my identity in Christ. And I hope you do as well. If you're here and you've, you've never even said yes to Christ, I would encourage you, just... Make today that day. Or you make this decision and say, man, I'm not going to live on this side anymore. I'm not going to live over here and be a slave to sin. I'm not going to put anything else in front of God anymore. I want to live out of my new identity in Christ. I want to live in this vein. I want to be here. I want to live for Christ, for Him. Let Him be the only thing that drives me and wakes me up in the morning. Let Him be the only thing that I live for. Let Him be the only thing that I work for. Let Him be the only thing that matters in my life I encourage you to make that decision this morning and just give your heart to him give your life to him it's as simple as a prayer but that prayer starts a journey that we've been talking about the journey to holiness the journey to to complete life in Christ let's pray this morning God. We love you. And we're thankful for you. We're thankful for everything that you have blessed us with. And God, we're thankful for the grace that you give us in our lives. The grace that you show us day in and day out. God, I, God, I think of, of the way that I was. And I can't help but thank you every single day that you have forgiven me that you have shown me grace and that I now have a new identity. Those things no longer define me. I am defined by the way that I live in you, God. I pray that that would come to define all of us this week. And God, as we pursue holiness in each of these areas of our lives, whatever we choose, God, would you just, would you show us and challenge us and shape us in these ways? And God, would you show us grace along the way? God, as we go forward, would you be in our homes? Would you be in our workplaces? Would you be in our conversations, around our dinner tables, in our living rooms? God, that every word that we say would be honoring to you. God, that every, every moment that we have, every interaction that we have would be honoring to you. And would it, would it just make a difference in our communities, God? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? If you're new here, this might be a little awkward. I just want to, we end every service, and I just pray a blessing over you. So if you would just just hold your hands out and just just receive this, this blessing. May the God of love and grace and peace God who who chose you and loves you and wants you, may he go with you and ahead of you this week. May you make a difference in your community, wherever that may find yourself, and may you go in his peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for coming this morning.